Well, before we begin our Torah study today, let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. Amen. One of the very last things that Yeshua did was also so important for his disciples. He opened their minds so that they could understand the comprehensive message of the scriptures and everything the scriptures had to say about Messiah. And until that happened, the disciples were adding Yeshua's teachings on top of what they thought they already knew, but that included some wrong understanding, some wrong ideas. He had to clear up misunderstandings, wrong conclusions, ways of thinking that limited their ability to comprehend and to act on what Yeshua was teaching them. He had to open their minds so that they could grasp the entirety of the Tanakh and then faithfully and accurately pass on the message of Yeshua to others. He had to clear up their understanding, and it required something quite unusual. They needed their minds to be opened so that they could understand the big picture, the comprehensive, the complete picture. It, it was like this. They couldn't see the forest for the trees. But in fact, all of us need to be able to see the forest and the trees. We need the big picture, a comprehensive view, but we also need the details. That's true for us as it was true for them. Each of us reads the scriptures with preconceived notions and misconceptions, some wrong ideas, some incomplete or erroneous beliefs. And it's true for every kind of person, Jew or Gentile, Christian or Jew. And we need what we could call rubble cleared out. I love the word rubble. It's a word that my wife, Sandy, used this week when we were studying these scriptures together. Each one of us has some rubble that needs to be cleared away. And you can't build a new building on top of rubble. You can't lay a solid foundation on rubble. But Yeshua's disciples had some rubble that had to be cleared away from their thinking, and so do we. We're going to read a fascinating passage from the Gospel of Luke that will help us recognize the need that Yeshua's disciples then had, and that we, as Yeshua's disciples now, also have. And this morning, we just had a wonderful Torah service live from the sanctuary. It's, it's very important for us to give the scriptures themselves a prominent place in our Shabbat service. And that's why the Torah service with the readings in Hebrew and in English, the prayers are so important. And I love the closing blessing for the Haftorah reading, which we normally use, but we're skipping right now because we've got time constraints because of our live streaming. And we need to keep the service a good length at this time. But here's the English for the closing blessing. It says this, Blessed are you, O Lord our God, King of the universe, rock of all eternities, faithful in all generations, the trustworthy God who says and does, who speaks and makes it come to pass, all of whose words are true and righteous. Faithful are you, O Lord our God, and faithful are your words, for not one word of yours is turned back unfulfilled. 
for you are a faithful and compassionate God and King. Blessed are you, O Lord, the God who is faithful in all his words. I love that proclamation. It goes right into our hearts and it helps us think clearly and correctly about the authority of the word of God, the Torah, the prophets, the writings. It's also important that we read the scriptures and we grasp the big picture and the details of what we're reading. Yeshua's disciples needed help. So let's look at Luke chapter 24, which describes some of these last things Yeshua did. So if you're writing in the comments, you can put Luke 24, starting in verse 44, and we'll go to verse 49. It starts this way. Yeshua said to his disciples, and this, folks, was after his death, his burial, and his resurrection, but it's prior to his ascension and return to heaven. Yeshua said to them, these are the words I spoke to you while I was still with you. Everything, here are the words, everything must be fulfilled. That means brought into fullness. That is written about me in the Torah of Moses, the prophets, and the Psalms. And then verse 45, and this is like a key text for us today. And then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And what were the scriptures? The Torah, the prophets, the writings, Tanakh, the Ketuvim, the Jewish scriptures, the Hebrew scriptures, what Christians often call the Old Testament, but it has a name, Tanakh. He opened their minds to understand the Tanakh, and he told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day, and in his name, repentance and forgiveness of sins will be proclaimed to all nations beginning in Jerusalem. And Yeshua said, you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I'm sending the promise of my Father upon you. So let's Let's take time with this passage. Everything must be fulfilled. That means everything must be brought into its fullness. It's not just every, uh, everything that's been foretold must happen. That's one part. But everything must be filled full. It must be brought into the fullness. And what is that everything? It's everything that's written about Messiah in the Tanakh. So Yeshua opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And to understand what that's saying properly, it means he opened their minds so they could comprehend, they could put together, they could join facts and ideas into a truly comprehensive and interlocking whole where all the pieces fit together. They could see the forest, the big picture, and the trees, the individual details. He opened their minds so they could comprehend the big picture, the whole picture. Some translations bring another thought to this, and they interpret it differently. They say he opened their minds so that they could understand the prophecies that predicted uh, about the coming of Messiah. It was more than that. They had been with Yeshua. These disciples had spent years with him, several years. They'd heard his teachings. They learned from him. But something was missing. They needed their minds to be opened. And I remember when I read this passage as a new believer, a new Jewish believer, and I had my own ideas from growing up about what Messiah should be. And, and I brought that 
into my experience. Of course, everyone brings their prior knowledge and experience into their new experiences. We're not a clean slate, but I saw this passage. I read these words and I turned them into a prayer. I said, Lord, open my mind so that I can comprehend the whole of the scriptures, the, the big picture, and have a comprehensive view. Clear out everything that's wrong and, and build a solid foundation for me. Lord, open my mind. And I continue to pray that way. I want to stay in that condition of having an open mind. But it's not about being just open-minded. There are hindrances that impact us, that impact every disciple of Yeshua, that keep us from being able to comprehend the big picture and to have a comprehensive, well-connected and consistent view of the scriptures. It's not just about prophetic predictions that would verify the identity of Messiah, but also clarity about his mandate, his most important goals, his objectives and his purposes. What does he want to do? What does he intend to do? What will he do and how will he do it? Can we see his ultimate goals and his eternal goals, his end time goals clearly? Where is all this headed? And when we have clarity about that, it gives us new clarity about the interim goals or the steps along the way. How does what's happening now connect to where we're headed? Now, here's an example. When I was growing up as a young Jewish boy in Roanoke, Virginia, I heard from many I'm, I'm going to say it this way. Many evangelical Christians, I heard the bad news. The bad news had three parts as I remember it. Part number one, you're a Jew. Part number two, you killed Christ. Part number three, you're going to hell. And somehow I heard that over and over again, and it never provoked me to jealousy. It just provoked me. It really caused my own heart and my own mind to be closed rather than open. That's the bad news, folks. That is not the good news. The paradigm of Yeshua's message and his mandate is the good news. Proclaim the good news. He's come with good news. Part of the good news is that he's overturning what others had meant for harm. He's, he's coming into situations that were even designed by others for evil purposes, and he's turning them upside down. Hafuch, he's turning them upside down so that good comes from them. He's causing all things to work together for good. It takes our minds being opened up to comprehend that big picture and where we're headed. And even today, there are many believers who, who, whose fundamental understanding of the future is the bad news rather than the good news. And for everyone like that, our minds need to be opened. Every one of us needs to comprehend more there are some Christian limitations. It's not just little Jewish boys who have limitations. There are some Christian limitations that need to be cleared out. Common wrong understandings, such as replacement theology or anti-Semitism, anti-Jewishness, the rejection of the Jewishness of the Messiah. Those are wrong understandings. How could, for instance, Martin Luther, the, the founder of the Reformation, Protestant Reformation, how could he have so much impact 
in history, in the development of Christian theology, and yet some of his writings were so anti-Semitic and so thoroughly violent that they advocated for the, uh, the disenfranchisement of Jews, the removal of citizens' rights, the burning of synagogues. How could that be? It's because his mind wasn't truly open to what the scripture said about certain things. Now, he got some things right, but other things he got horribly wrong, and they were used. His thoughts spread in many places and were used in terrible ways against the Jewish people. Other wrong understandings that people bring to the reading of the scriptures. They reject the value of ethnicity. They think that we're all just supposed to be the same. No, we all have equal value before God, but ethnicity is valuable. All nations have value. As well, there, there are people, including the disciples, who had difficulty with the idea that Messiah would suffer that went against their thinking. We'll read about that. But it raises a question, what part of our own thinking has been shaped by others who have taught us things that are different than what Yeshua teaches and models? What traditions are part of our life and lifestyle that, that may be absolutely independent of or even contradictory to Yeshua's life and lifestyle? I mean, in these days, in, in the harsh political climate we live in and the highly polarized world that we're living in, empathy and humility are not highly valued. Rather, brashness is whoever can talk louder and whoever seems to be more vehement and can make stronger statements, they seem to have um, more impact. They're more popular. But I tell you what, they would not be able to reflect the humility of Yeshua with that kind of attitude. What are some other preconceived ideas and notions about what the scriptures say and mean that can dog us? Um, well, what we learned as children, what we heard from people around us, the ways that our own group, our, our religious group that we grew up with, our social group, our ethnic group, our families, um, what we heard from them, and the ways that our group interpreted the scriptures. You know, some people have this modern myth that uh, this teaching, there's a, a single biblical view, and it's simply not true. Empirically, it's not true. If you look at how many different believers have such contradictory views among themselves, there's so much contradiction. Why is that? Because people have rubble, and they brought their own interpretations and traditions and what has become uh, something that they've embraced, and now they force Yeshua's teachings into their mold. You see, every group emphasizes some ideas and ignores other ideas. And the traditions shape all of this. Well, Here's an example from Mark 8, 31 and 32 of how it worked in Yeshua's circle. Yeshua began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests, and scribes, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. These were things that were fixed. They were settled. They would happen. And Yeshua spoke this message quite frankly 
And then look at this. And Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Matthew 16 has some of his words. Far be it from you, Lord. He said, this shall never happen to you. Folks, this is what we're dealing with ourselves. We like to think we have it all figured out. But in fact, every one of us has blind spots. Everyone has misconceptions. Everyone has their own opinion. And Yeshua in verse 33 responded. He turned and he looked at his disciples. He rebuked Peter and said, get behind me, Hasatan. Get behind me, adversary, for you do not have in mind the things of God but the things of men. You see, some things Yeshua taught are hard for us to embrace. We have our own expectations and we have conflict between the things of God and the things of men. And he was saying, you're seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Wrong ideas, not just about the identity of Yeshua or his atoning sacrifice, but in fact, every Jewish group had its own understandings. The Sadducees during Yeshua's time had a view of resurrection, life after death. They thought there would not be physical resurrection, just spiritual life after death. The Pharisees, on the other hand, uh, believed in physical resurrection. The Essenes thought the whole temple system was corrupt. They were suspicious of anything that the Sadducees or Pharisees said, just because they were Sadducees or Pharisees. The Zealots believed that Messiah would be a military hero and lead Israel against the occupying forces of Rome and free Israel from military and political and economic subordination to Rome, and for that matter, to any other nation. And for us today, so many times we totally and accurately know how to recognize God, and we think we know everything. We think we have a total and accurate view of Messiah, but we don't. We have misconceptions, wrong conclusions, blind spots. It's true for Jewish groups. It's true for Christian groups. It's true for Messianic groups, and we have to face it. And I can tell you this, our customs are useful in helping us. Our rituals and repetitions help us value things. The fact that we use certain prayers again and again are really important because they help us pass on values to other people. But some people say, well, why do these same things over and over again? And I'll give examples of why it's a good idea. Why tuck your children in at bedtime every night? Why pray with them before you go to sleep? Why tell your wife you love her whenever you leave the house? You see, these habits are stronger than goals. They become automatic and they help us develop good patterns of behavior that reflect deeply held values. We all have misconceptions and we all have wrong habits. And as I was thinking of this this morning, for some reason, I remembered something from years ago when I first got contact lenses and Sandy and I went to Israel. We were having a wonderful trip in Israel, but I was using the contact lenses and I was having the hardest time. It was taking me sometimes 20, 30 minutes, even longer. I'm embarrassed to say I had a hard time getting the contact lenses in my eyes and then wearing them. They hurt my eyes. My eyes were red. It seemed like the whole trip and I was tearing up and uncomfortable. Sometimes I could only wear them for a few minutes or an hour or two. And I was pretty certain they weren't for me. But, you know, I'm a tough cookie. So I kept trying and I figured I'll eventually get used to them. But I came home. Sandy and I came back to Rochester, New York, where we were living. We went uh, to my follow-up appointment and I told the eye doctor the contacts were not going to work for me after all. And I told her everything I just told you. And she said, well, show me what you're doing. 
And so I did. And, and I put the contacts in and she smiled and she said, you've got the contact lenses inside out. That's why they hurt. <laughs> so I had been putting them in the wrong side into my eye. And that's what was hurting me. And even though each contact lens, those of you who have worn them have, have seen this, they have an imprint that helps you. Mine were made by Bosch and Lom. They had a B and L. And if the letters appeared in normal, that's how I could confirm that I was putting them on correctly. And if they were reversed, it meant the lens was inside out. So why was what was my problem? Well, I was looking at the letters from the wrong side, from the inside, not from the outside. And so they appeared correct to me. So that was the first part of my problem. I had to learn the correct way of doing it. And it was so simple once I learned that. But there was another problem. I had muscle memory from having done it wrong so many times. And I had to overcome the muscle memory of doing it the wrong way. And that was hard. I had to develop new deliberate patterns in order to override what had become automatic to me. Well, one of the ways that we can respond to the recognition we have about a need for openness is to pray. And Psalm 119 verse 18 is so powerful. It puts this idea into the form of a prayer. And I'll read uh, an older English translation that says, open thou mine eyes that I may behold wondrous things out of thy Torah. In more modern English, Lord, open my eyes so that I can behold the incredible things that are in your Torah. It's a prayer. Open my eyes. Open my eyes. And I, I want to encourage you, Mishpacha, open an open mind. Open spiritual eyes are so useful, but we can't get them just by ourselves. It takes humility in prayer before God, it takes the work of God. We need God's help in order to open our minds. We need to be humble and to say, you know, I could be wrong about some things, not insecure, double-minded, but just knowing this, I may have wrong ideas mixed, mixed in, and there's more to discover. Each one of us in humility can go before God and we can say, oh Lord, open my mind that I too can comprehend the scriptures and everything that's written about you and Messiah. And then we can pray also, Lord, tear down those misconceptions, clear away the wrong ideas and the wrong ways of looking at things, clear away the wrong spiritual habits of interpreting and understanding that I have. And you know, when you do that, God will hear you and he will help you. I want to encourage you to pray that way. At the, uh, in just a moment, I'm going to pray for everyone who wants to pray with me. But I want to tie this in to our Torah service. We have a Torah service, and for years it was every week. And now we um, started up again once a month. We'll move to twice a month. And then eventually we hope that we'll be able to do every week as we had before. But reading of the Torah is so important. Reading of the prophets and the other writings, reading of the British is important. It's important so that we're in the habit of listening and interpreting together, but it's also important that our minds can comprehend 
and understand what Yeshua is saying and doing so that we can make sense out of what's going on. The scriptures help us do that, as does the giving of the Holy Spirit. We need the scriptures. We need time in the scriptures. We need open minds. We need revelation from Yeshua, and we need the Holy Spirit too. Now, as we're reading in the Torah this week, it was a time of consecration of the tabernacle, a time when the free offerings, the Teruma offerings, had all been received, everything had been, um, all the artisanal craft had been produced, and it was time to dedicate the tabernacle. And one of the last things that was done is in our Torah portion. It's in Exodus 40, verse 20. And it says that after everything had been anointed with oil, Moses took the tablets of the covenant law, that's the, um, the stone tablets, he placed them in the ark, they're the foundation of the Torah, and he attached the poles to the ark and he put the atonement cover over it. And this brought completion at that moment. And for that reason, we want to continue to emphasize the Torah because it has a place of centrality and power and a source of wisdom. And I can promise you this, that if, if, if you seek to have an open mind and you pray for an open mind, it will help you not only with spiritual things, as my good friend Cantor Aaron Jacobs said, it will help you also with every other area of your life to be able to think clearly and to think in new ways about old things. It's a wonderful thing to have an open mind. And I want to pray now for everyone who, whose heart says, yes, I want that. Lord, we pray in the name of Yeshua that you would open our minds, that you would open us up so that we could comprehend the big picture and the details about what is written about Messiah, Yeshua, and that this would bring us life this revelation with the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the gift of the Holy Spirit would cause us to be able to live more fully and effectively for you. We pray this in Yeshua's name. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me today in this study. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing now. But first, would you consider standing with us financially? If this live stream is a blessing to you, or if our Messianic Jewish Teachings podcast or our sanctuary services are a blessing to you, would you consider blessing our ministry? All the information you need is on our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving. And now from Sandy and me, we want to pray this blessing, Aaron's blessing over you, Yivarechecha Adonai V'yishmarecha. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep watch over you and protect you. May the Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua. Amen. So from Rebison, Sandy and me, I want to say Shabbat Shalom. Hope you can join us at uh, Beth Israel next week. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.